my feeling of being a startup founder is knowing the balance between just saying, this is the decision we made, this is the plan we made, this is the hypothesis, don't go off track, and knowing when to go off track because you need to readjust. Welcome back to Tiny Seed Tales, a series where I follow a founder through their struggles, victories, and failures as they build their startup. I'm your host, Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Tiny Seed, the startup accelerator designed for SaaS bootstrappers. We're back with Brian and Scotty, co-founders of Gather. We've been discussing their efforts to take their product upmarket and all the ensuing stress that comes with that. Going up market is one of a few experiments that Brian and Scotty have been trying out, in addition to cold email outreach and raising their prices. Before we hear how these experiments are working out, I checked in with Scotty about how she's been feeling. Scotty, I'm curious how you feel about the last couple of weeks and how things have been going. The last few weeks have been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, I'd say. We had some some wins. I think we last talked about how we were changing our pricing and focusing more on teams. And we have definitely made some inroads with teams. Half of our signups this past month were team plans, a few of those being annual. So a lot of positive signs there, but we haven't had the growth that we were hoping for. I think when we switched, we we knew there'd be a little lag, but it's kind of going slower than we were hoping for. So I think we're feeling a little a little anxious about how it's all going to play out and if our decision to focus on moving up market is actually in the end going to be a lucrative one and a and a good one. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're in the trough. This is something we talked about over the first couple episodes where there's a story arc building here almost naturally and it's going from serving you know, one to five person design or architecture firms and going up market. And up market doesn't just change your pricing, but it changes your positioning and how you support and how you onboard. And there's a time here where it's very uncertain because you're kind of leaving the solo practitioners behind, but you you haven't quite reached product market fit or you don't have the reach or you don't have the logos or you don't have the lead flow from the bigger shops. And that can lead to all kinds of things, right? It can lead to growth stagnation. And frankly, it's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, the psychology of that alone, to take that leap and take such a big risk, it has to be taking its toll on you, I'd imagine. Is that what it feels like? It's the uncertainty of not knowing if this is going to work? Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uncertainty. I think there's also a little bit of insecurity with the product's been built so much towards those smaller teams up to this point that when we get on the demos or get in the calls with the larger teams, what we used to focus on for the smaller teams is not necessarily important to them. And so it's completely changing our demo or our pitch or our, the way we think about the product when we're selling it. So it's a huge mind shift altogether selling into these teams. So I think there's a little bit of insecurity about it and not exactly knowing how to sell to them at this point because we're so used to selling into the small teams. The interesting thing is I have your revenue numbers up in front of me and I have the growth curve 
over the past couple of years, frankly, since you've had your analytics modeled up and, and you know, folks know that, that you're in tiny seed and, and obviously I have access to that, but your growth is, is stable. Like it's pretty dang linear. It's not as if you've flatlined. Does it feel like you have? I think so, only because we were hoping for more of a spike and it's just been this slow, steady growth which is not bad, but, you know, especially going into Tiny Seed and having all the mentorship and the support and everything, I think we were hoping we'd see more of a takeoff. And it's sort of, it's growing as usual. But that's not helpful when you had to take all this risk, right? Exactly. If you wanted it to grow as usual, you could have kind of sat back and had the same product that you already had product market fit with and kept tackling that. I mean, from my perspective, it feels like I do think you're going to get to that point where the growth is going to accelerate. I mean, if this gamble pays off, then it will absolutely do that. You're just not there yet. This stuff takes way longer than we want it to. Yeah. And I think we've, in our rational minds, we realize that. We realize that there, there's just going to be a transition period. It's going to take some time, but we're eager and <laughs> we want it to grow. We just want to see the spike happen. Like, overnight. You know, we want the flywheel to catch and start to really see our hard work pay off and it hasn't quite gotten there. So I think it's just a matter of being patient, but that's hard to do. Most of the successful founders I know don't have a lot of patience when it comes to their business. I might go so far as to say that for a bootstrapper, patience can be dangerous. It can lead to complacency and comfort with the status quo. There's something about impatience that can drive you to push things forward in order to survive. Scotty feels this burden even though Gather has had healthy, steady growth. She's looking for the spike. All that said, something is clearly working in their uphill battle to go up market. Going forward, Gather will be dropping their solo plan altogether, and it looks like this gamble might pay off. Half of their signups in the last month have come from their new cold email outreach campaign that's focused on larger teams. It's interesting, you know, you you have tried a couple experiments over the past few months. One is going up market, which we knew would be a challenge and we knew it would take many months to get your sales process and your inbound leads and your positioning and your pricing and all that. Another one is cold email and Brian, were you doing any cold email? Were you having any success with it before the last couple of months before you joined Tiny Seed? Yeah, yeah, we had tried it basically since the beginning of Gather. That was the way that we learned from the market and did customer development was through cold email. So I had success from a customer development standpoint early on in the product. Before we ever even built anything, I was just emailing tons of people and talking to them as much as I could. And and that led to our early customers. And then a couple of years after that, we ran another campaign. And both of those campaigns were kind of more like customer development focused. They were sort of like, we're just humbly reaching out. We would love to like get your thoughts and opinions on this. Would you mind me showing you the product? And then as a result of that, we got feedback and sort of industry knowledge, as well as a few customers that along the way said, well, this is really cool. And then they bought but this last go around, these last six or seven weeks have been purely focused on sales. We're not doing so much of a passive outreach. We're really actively trying to get them into a sales process. And so that's been a little bit different 
but you know it's worked fairly well so far if you look at the metric of just how many demos are we booking we are booking quite a few demos whether or not like we have product market fit enough to get the numbers to look really really good as far as like a repeatable sales model that's what we're unsure of and and we are trying to move towards figuring that out and getting the product and the pricing right so that way we can sort of like predictably scale a sales operation essentially right but if you hadn't been doing the cold email the last six weeks growth would have been stagnant it sounds like yeah definitely i mean you know we do have a certain amount of inbound traffic and trials and customers but those kind of slumped off a little bit partially because i think we raised our prices so a lot of the inbound traffic that we were getting naturally just through seo and and probably word of mouth is coming from those smaller you know solo designers and they're now getting to the page and it's not speaking to them the same way because it's very team centric language and the pricing is higher so in fact we saw that like the conversion we actually had quite a bit of traffic last month more than we've ever had just inbound traffic but the conversion rate was half that what it used to be like the conversion to trial so that to me just said, oh yeah, we're not speaking to the people that we've built up some organic presence with in the past. And so most of the sales did come from the cold email campaign. Last week, Brian predicted that going up market meant they would be abandoning their existing funnel. We're only six weeks into this cold email experiment, and although it's not yet a sustainable channel, it's replaced enough leads to keep Gather growing at their previous pace. The other experiment Brian touched on is price increases. Gather raised their prices when they joined TinySeed, and now they've dropped their lowest price plan. Currently, they offer a tier at $99 a month and one at $159 a month, as well as a custom enterprise plan. That's way up from $39 a month, which was their lowest price plan when they joined TinySeed. And now, they're preparing for yet another increase. The question I kept asking both of you is, do you ever get complaints about pricing? Because you want at least one or two of those, you know, it shouldn't be everyone. But if no one's complaining about your pricing, very likely you're too cheap. We do occasionally get people cancel and the reason for canceling is pricing, but they are ironically people that are on our cheapest plans and they're just not, you know, I just think they're not very successful in their business. And so they can't justify the cost. We don't have like really super sharp data on this, but my feeling is that price is not really an objection when we're selling to new people. And so, yeah, we've had a couple of price increases. This latest one, we don't have that solo plan anymore. We've only got the team. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we do start getting price objections from at least the solo people, we kind of predict that we will. I think some of them will just go, well, fine, whatever. I love the product well enough. It's useful enough that I'm willing to pay this price. But yeah, the goal is to kind of see what happens this month with that. And then next month, we're planning on doing another potentially really big price jump. And that will be interesting to see. I think that's where we're going to start to determine whether or not we get a lot of objections or not. I remember back one of my very, very first software products was invoicing software that was priced at between $79 and $99. It was a one-time fee, though. It was before SaaS. So this is like 2007. And it was in alpha and it was super buggy and I acquired it and fixed the bugs and I helped people not be mad because everybody was super pissed off. They weren't getting much support and stuff. So I fixed all that and I launched it and I quickly realized that 
it did quite a bit. You know, you downloaded this and you could use it pretty much perpetually for 99 bucks and small businesses and consultants were buying it. So one day I just tripled the price and I made it 299 bucks and I sold the exact same number of copies every month after that and no one complained. And it was this fascinating, like I tripled revenue overnight. Doesn't mean that always works, you know, it doesn't mean you can do that all the time, but it was crazy to see to think that I could have been chugging along making $500 a month and I was making $1,500 a month, which at the time it was like, well, that makes my house payment, you know, and that was really the goal in those days. And I'm super curious to see, like, I know that raising your prices has already impacted your average revenue per user. I also think that it will drop your churn over time. And I'm really fascinated to see if doubling again, it's going to work or it won't, right? If you flip it, and no one signs up, or you suddenly get all these price objections, then you've you've hit the point where you need to back it off. But it's at least good to know, it's just one more data point, right? It's increasing the speed of learning. And if it works, although it's a big gamble, the payoff is pretty substantial. Yep, absolutely. And you know, it's weird. This is kind of something that I never really fully understood early on, or I didn't care because we sort of just had a mentality of just hustle, hustle, hustle. That which doesn't scale doesn't matter at this point. You know, we were just trying to get traction. But, you know, now we're up to 150 customers or so, and we're trying to figure out how to grow at a faster clip because we kind of need to. And right now we're kind of in this <laughs> this little no man's land between like successful self-service SaaS, which for my knowledge and experience, like relies on a lot of inbound traffic and a lot of good copywriting and marketing to get them into a trial, good trial funnel, et cetera. That's what we kind of were focusing on earlier and had a real hard time trying to get that level of traffic in a relatively confined industry vertical. There's just not an endless supply of companies. So now we're trying to go up market and there's even less of those folks, but they're more valuable, but the price points don't really support the sales model. In order to keep this up, like we would eventually need to hire some sales reps and some account executive types. And, you know, we really have to have kind of a sales machine going. And we've talked to some outbound sales services and the numbers just kind of don't match up uh, with the ROI. But when we move into this double, triple price thing, you know, like into the, let's say $250 average revenue per customer then the whole model shifts and changes and it looks way more interesting. And so I don't know if other SaaS companies out there feel this pain, but it's like when you're in that like 50 to maybe $150 per customer range, it feels like you're really straddling an inbound self-service model and an outbound sales model. And that's, that's a hard thing to reconcile. We talked about this last week. Brian and Scotty are still in between islands, but they're gearing up to find out how far they can push their pricing while they make their way through the gap. To wrap things up, here's some undoubtedly good news. Scotty, I'm curious what your high point has been since we last spoke. Was there a moment where you just thought, we are killing it, like this is great, raise a glass of tequila? Well, we did have two, literally within five minutes of each other, team annual signups. I have my Stripe coming through my Slack. And so when we get a sign up, it comes across my screen and came across my screen. And I was like, yes. And then 
literally five minutes later, another one came across and I did a double take because I thought, you know, was that the same one? Like, (laughs) but nope, it was two different ones back to back. And that was a positive moment, especially because I knew that both of them were from our cold email outreach and they had both had demos and that felt really good. Yeah, it feels like something's working when that happens. How about you, Brian? That was a big one. Definitely, that felt really good. There was another thing that was just kind of interesting. We had an existing customer that's requested pricing for 20 teammates. So we provided a custom quote for them because that would technically fall in our, you know, quote, enterprise plan, which just means like something that we don't have a technical plan for. But if they do decide to go ahead and sign on that, that will become our single largest customer, both in number of users and revenue as well. Expansion revenue for the win. I hope that comes through. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're excited because we'd like to get some more larger teams like that just so we can experience what it's like as well, not just the revenue, but start servicing those larger teams and see sort of what it does to the business and where we have inefficient processes and where we don't have answers for certain things. So it'll be an interesting learning experience, hopefully. Despite all their anxiety and uncertainty, good things are happening at Gather. Like I told Scotty, my feeling is that all these risks will pay off and they will start seeing accelerated growth at some point. It's just going to take a bit of time and frustrating patience. Check in next time to see how Gather continues their transition up market as they increase their prices, develop their outbound sales model, and potentially land their biggest client yet. That's next week on Tiny Seed Tales.